What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. Do have some stuff to talk about today, thankfully. I do want to discuss Rob Manfred's absolutely ridiculous comments that he made on Monday about whether or not we're going to have a season. And in the second segment, I'm going to talk about the report that The Athletic put out ranking all 30 Major League Baseball broadcasting crews and where the Tigers ranked. I'll give you a hint, and if you've been following me on Twitter, you know this. It was not good. I want to talk a little bit about that because I found that piece uh, rather fascinating. But I am going to start off with Rob Manfred's comments. You know, Rob Manfred had a massive bugaboo, let's say. You know, he started out a couple days ago, I believe it was about five, six days ago now, saying right before the draft that there was 100% going to be baseball in 2020. And a whole five days later, he backtracked big time saying to Mike Greenberg on ESPN that he's not confident there will be a 2020 baseball season. Unfortunately, I can't tell you that I'm 100% certain that's going to happen. If Rob Manfred was a perfect commissioner, like if he did everything right, if he was pulling all the right strings, if the game was growing and attendance was up and you know there was more buzz surrounding the sport of baseball, if he'd done everything right, this would still be an all-time mistake by a commissioner in any sport. To five days after you definitively say, oh, we're, we're 100% having baseball, to backtrack that quickly and cause just this massive uproar and panic is, to me, like a fireable offense. And I just, I want to talk about Rob Manford a little bit as an entity, because I do kind of find him fascinating. Rob Manford, and this will probably not win me any fans, but I'll say it anyway, is probably, when push comes to shove, a fairly decent human being. And I think much like a misguided politician, much like a, a, a lot of bad presidents, not all, but a lot of them, I think his biggest flaw is that he's incredibly misguided. I don't think he's a bad person. I think everything he's done, he has done with the intention of improving the game. I think he believes that all the moves he's made with the pitch clock and, and limiting the amount of relief pitchers you can use, all that stuff, the, the mound visits, I believe he's done that in good conscience. I believe he's done that believing that it will ultimately work out for the better. I think he's remarkably, remarkably misguided. And, and I think that is obviously a major issue, and it's the biggest reason why people despise him. Now, what he's done through these labor negotiations has been abysmal. He has not conducted himself well. He has not handled these negotiations well. And when you watch him being interviewed on ESPN, I tweeted this out, he looks like a deer in the headlights. He is not showing any sort of leadership whatsoever. He seems extremely timid and scared of the moment. I think probably no, he's aware of the situation. He's aware, he's aware that his sport is on the verge of committing suicide. And he knows if that happens, he will get the brunt of the criticism. And he should. I don't know why he's he's surprised by that necessarily. I, I don't know why he's just now realizing this. That's kind of the role he signed up for. In the same way that Bud Selig gets a majority of the criticism for what happened during the steroid era, turning a blind eye to that, he'll probably get the brunt of the criticism if baseball doesn't play a season this year, and that's nothing if not deserving. It's a fair criticism. But you see Adam Silver, 
who I think to a certain extent is maybe a little bit overrated. In the, he's the NBA's commissioner, for people who might not know. I think he did such a great job of moving swiftly and banning Donald Sterling from games after those idiotic racist comments six years ago. I think he's still kind of riding that wave. But the man clearly loves basketball. The man clearly has a, a good rapport with the players. He's smart. He's well-spoken. He's a good leader. You watch him and you're like, okay, that's a guy who clearly has his stuff together. That's a guy who's going to lead this sport back pretty much to where they were pre-pandemic. You don't get that vibe from Rob Manford. This dude is completely shook. You see it in interviews. He has no idea what in the world he is doing, and it's going to lead to this sport possibly becoming extinct, and it breaks my heart. You know, I made a video about this on Twitter begging Major League Baseball not to do this. The one question I ask myself, and I really, I'm asking it because I don't know the answer, is are they aware of this potential failure? Because I don't know. I've made this this theory up where I, I, I think sometimes people get so rich they become stupid. I don't know if these owners are aware of the damage it's going to do to the sport. I think some of them are. But when I see a report by Buster, Buster Olney, I believe, the other day, that six to eight owners have come out and said that they don't care if there's a baseball season, well, then six to eight owners shouldn't own a baseball team. That is flat-out absurd. That is no different to me than Bill Gates coming out and saying, you know what, I, I really don't care if Microsoft goes bankrupt. It's your company. These are your teams. It's your league. Some of these people just just have their heads so far up, you know, where that it's like it's like do, do they even know what these stakes are? Do they understand the depths of their potential failure? Do they understand where this is going to lead to? Do they understand this is not going to end up well for anybody? Not playing a season isn't going to end well for anyone. It's not going to end well for the players, it's not going to end well for the owners, it's not going to end well for the fans, it's not going to end well for the sport. Does anyone know this? Like we are past we have officially just zoomed past the point of this being something that could be good for the game. We've zoomed past the point of baseball being the first game back. We've zoomed past the point of baseball getting any sort of good press out of this. We have we have officially reached the stage of salvaging the sport as a whole. And I say the sport because it, Major League Baseball is the head of the sport. You cut off the head, the rest is going to die. I got a tweet that said that baseball can never die because you're always going to have college and you're always going to have people playing these games in the Dominican and in South America. You know, it's still one of the most popular sports. He's right, but Major League Baseball gives all those leagues something to strive towards. And if if that league is dead, then participation and fandom will sink. I guess there's really not even a huge point to what I'm trying to say right now, except for we are we are officially in the endgame. It is 11.59 right now on the Doomsday Clock. And do they care? I don't know. It's been a couple days now, yet to hear anything new. Still twiddling their thumbs. We've returned to that. It's only been a week. We've returned to the, the thumb twiddling stage, which has doomed this entire process. These negotiations, which have been so remarkably butchered, have come to a standstill. And now, I don't know where they're going. And also, I couldn't help but notice that immediately after this complete disaster with Manfred making these asinine comments, you started to get some leaks. Well, some people inside of Major League Baseball have tested positive for COVID. And then Fauci came out and said, the great Dr. Fauci came out and said, 
Well, you know, I don't even know about playing sports, especially baseball in October. Gee, gee, pretty convenient. Now, I'm not saying Rob Manfred called up, you know, Anthony Fauci and said, hey, could you could you do me a favor? But I think there was some push. I think it's a pretty convenient leak. The timing is questionable at best. And I think it's Major League Baseball setting themselves up to not have a season and then come out and say, well, what did you want us to do? All these guidelines said it wasn't safe. Garbage, garbage, BS. If they pull that off, I'm done forever. Don't do that. If this season doesn't happen, you know who's to blame. I've made this statement before, and I think it's the truth. Losers blame other people for their failures. Champions look in a mirror. And the owners in Major League Baseball and the commissioner of Major League Baseball are at a crossroads right now. If they want to face this like men, while I will never like them for it, I will at the very least respect them if they come out and say, this one is on us. And also, if Rob Manfred wants to keep his job, they got to play a season. The only way that baseball could maybe, and I, I don't think they will, the only way they could maybe survive not playing a full season is if immediately Rob Manfred resigned. And there would be those people who could chalk it up to, well, it was just terrible leadership. It would still kill the sport and do irreparable damage. But that might be the only way to save it is if he falls on the sword, which he should. This is so in large part his fault. If he does that, then maybe they can save it. But it's not looking good, guys. I know that I have a pessimistic personality. I get that. But if I felt like they were moving in the right direction, I would say so. It seems like everything has come to a standstill. No one knows what the hell they're doing. The players have completely stopped and just said, we're ready. We're ready. We've been ready. Let's play. It's up to the owners and the commissioner now, and I don't think they have any clue what they're doing, nor have I felt that way since the beginning. It's pretty darn sad. All right, when we come back, I'll talk about the athletics rankings of all 30 major league television affiliates. I'll be back here in segment number two. To an early morning breakfast burrito, to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late night food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. And we're back. So like I said, The Athletic, specifically Corey Brock of The Athletic, posted a survey that was done. They asked 6,200 Major League Baseball fans to assess the announcers for all the Major League Baseball teams, television, crews. 
asking them to rank all these crews on a 0-5 to scale based on the following things. Play-by-play, color commentary, field reporting, pre- and post-game shows, technical quality, and overall performance. And our Detroit Tigers, as has been customary lately, finished in dead last. The broadcasting crew of Matt Shepard, Jack Morris, and Kirk Gibson finished 30th out of 30 teams. On a 0-5 to scale, like I said, they ranked with a 2-8-3 rating in play-by-play, 2-7-9 in color commentary, 3-4-0 in field reporting, 3-3-5 in pre- and post-game shows, 3-8-3 in technical quality, and 3.05 in overall performance. Reading from the article, it says, The 2019 season was the first with a new crew in the Tigers' TV booth after the team blew out Mario Ampemba and Rod Allen following the 2018 dust-up. And let's just say the patience level with the new booth is non-existent. In a town that's been graced by legends in the broadcasting industry, it's embarrassing, one reader wrote. The Tigers got sub-3 marks in play-by-play and color, the lone team to do so. Shepard, a longtime basketball play-by-play guy for the University of Michigan, certainly bears the brunt of fans' complaints. He seems like a nice guy, but is corny as hell. Having Tigers icons Morris and Gibson in the booth hasn't helped. They are far too focused on nostalgia, and they need exciting personalities who can tell pertinent stories about the team, not former players who wax poetically about their accomplishments. Still, some see hopes for improving heading into year two. The new team is getting better, one reader wrote. This is brutal, and I I posted a tweet about this. I made a video about this, so I'm going to try not to reiterate a lot of the statements I made. I, I worry about doing that here on my podcast, but I think it's a bit unfair to have them dead last, just straight up. Now, have I listened extensively to all 30 teams broadcasting crews? No, I haven't. I've listened to most of them in bits and pieces. I know which ones are really good. The Mets came in at number one. That is like the gold standard with Gary Cohn, Ron Darling, and Keith Hernandez. They're wonderful. Obviously, the Giants with Dwayne Kuyper. Those, that's an incredible uh, unit as well. The Tigers being dead last, I, post, I posed this question on Twitter, and a majority of people seem to come back and say, yeah, it's a fair assessment. They belong dead last. The reasons why I was skeptical to say that they belong in the final spot is because, one, it's year one. If this was year four and they were still struggling, I would be a a bit more likely to say, yeah, rank them last. But it was year one. They were given nothing to work with. The team was absolutely terrible. And I know there will be those people who say that shouldn't matter, but it does. in, In general, fans will be more patient with their broadcasters if the team is better. Because you aren't going to pay as close attention to the broadcasters because you're too busy watching the game. When the team is losing 114 games and the announcers have nothing to talk about, you're going to pay closer attention to them. I feel like that's that's just a fact. You might not have noticed it, but your brain did. I think Matt Shepard, and this take might be one that's going to come back to bite me, and I will own it if it does, will turn out to be a, a an above-average play-by-play guy for the Tigers. I think he will improve. He's been a broadcaster for a long time. He's very raw, but the energy is there. The passion is there. It's a job he's wanted forever. I think he will improve. I don't think it's possible for any improvement with the color commentary guys, at least the guys they have currently in the booth. Jack Morris and Kirk Gibson have been doing this for a long time, and Gibby at one point was considered a very good color commentator. The problem is he's, he's sick. 
and he's struggling, and that's very sad, and I think it's a legitimate excuse, and I feel bad for him. He's an incredible baseball mind, but he's been struggling for a few years now. We obviously wish him the best. We love Gibby, and I have, I have no issue really with him in terms of his insight. It's just he doesn't have the energy that he used to have. Jack Morris is is a well-below-average color commentary guy. You know, Neither one of these guys brings the energy that a great color commentator should bring. The difference is Gibby has an excuse for it, and Morris does not. I think Dan Petrie's fine. I have a lot of Tigers fans in my mentions being like, oh, they got to promote Petrie. He's wonderful. He's amazing. I've never seen anything incredible. Like, I think he's fine. Definitely much higher energy than the other two. I think Craig Monroe has improved a lot. Part of what made last season so insufferable was that it felt like nothing went right. And while a better broadcasting unit wouldn't make the season any more bearable, it would make the broadcast, obviously, more watchable. It actually makes me sad because I think all all of these guys have worked incredibly hard. I do root for all of them, but you know maybe the proof is in the pudding. Maybe they were just that bad a year ago. I think what ultimately is going to happen because I think this a lot of this has been a strategic ploy by FSD. You know you had Rod and Mario there for so long. Somebody asked me on Twitter, "Do I miss Rod and Mario?" And the answer is yes and no. I think their time was slowly coming to an end because I associate them with what was kind of the golden age of Tigers baseball. You know, that 06 to 2014 run where it felt like every year they had a shot at winning the World Series. Never did, but they were the regular season announcers. And the Tigers in that time had some of the best regular seasons they've ever had. I feel like their time was kind of coming to an end solely because of the fact that a new era of Tigers baseball was about to begin. I didn't think they should ever be fired. I just felt like at a certain point, they were going to move on from them. Now, with that said, those two, flaws and all, were the voices of my summers. I don't want anyone to to get this twisted because they, they are not even in the same ballpark as somebody like an Ernie Harwell. But to me, to my generation, in terms of the familiarity that came with hearing them on the air every day, they were to someone like me, what Ernie Harwell was to another generation of people. Again, not even in the same ballpark in terms of legacy and broadcast capability of Ernie Harwell. I'm just saying in terms of familiarity, that's what they were to a generation of people. So I I both miss them and don't miss them. I I think, you know, after the dust up, it was, you, you had to do what you had to do. You had to move on. And they brought in these new guys and it's been a huge struggle, as has everything in this organization. It is not exclusively the broadcast unit that has struggled over the last couple of years to find their footing. It's everything in this organization. Like I said, I think it was a strategic ploy because I think people at Fox Sports Detroit knew that this team wasn't going to be very good. And what do you rely on when you have a product that stinks? You rely on nostalgia. You see this all the time in movies. If a movie or a reboot of a movie stinks, what do you do to try to draw in an audience? Nostalgia. You, you, you pull from the past, and that's what this broadcasting crew has done in spades. Right away, you retired Morris's number. You know, you honored the '84 team. You talk, you talk about the '84 team constantly. You know, in 2018, you had the 40-year reunion of the '68 team, and you brought Lolich and some of those guys into the booth to talk for a couple innings every few days. You know, it was really, it was very clear that they were relying on nostalgia to try to blind people from how poor the product on the field was. And I don't blame them for doing that. The problem was. 
even that nostalgia rang a little bit hollow because these guys just in general aren't great broadcasters. They don't bring a ton to the broadcast. There is obviously some novelty to hearing Gibby and Tram when they bring them in and, and Jack Morris and Dan Petrie talk about that 84 season, but it does get to a point where it's like, if you're somebody like me, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm sure 84 was great. I wasn't around for 84. What's, how about we talk about what's going on right now? How about we talk about the fact that the team is terrible? Now, the last point I'm going to make, and maybe I should have made this from the beginning, is that I don't have the kind of vitriol that a lot of people have, because if you read the responses I got on Twitter, people were angry. Matt Shepard is a terrible announcer. Gibby and Morris stink. Oh, they're awful. I can't even listen to them. God, they make me want to puke. I don't get that worked up about TV announcers, because TV announcers or whatever. If they stink, I can just mute them. It's not like a film where if you go and watch a bad movie, you dished out the money to watch it. This is something I'm watching for free. If they're bad, I just mute it. Play them. It'll be the show while I'm watching the game. There's no real burden on my life if these announcers don't add anything to the broadcast, honestly. And the last point I will make, and this is actually in their defense, the reason I think it's unfair for them to be dead last is because to me their biggest problem is that they're boring. They're not offensive and they're not obnoxious. To me, the worst broadcasting crews are the ones who rely on the catchphrases and the gimmicks. Now, obviously, a lot of great announcers have, you know, their gimmicks. Matt Veskersen with the Santa Maria, you know, that's, I have no problem with that. But like John Sterling, who does radio for the Yankees and has forever with his customary home run calls, for every single player, that is obnoxious. The Pirates broadcasting crew that does pirate puns for every single play seemingly, raise the Jolly Roger after every win, yuck. That is like actually offensive to me. There's nothing about the current Tigers crew that I find obnoxious or annoying. Their biggest detriment, and it is a massive detriment, is that they're dull. And I, I do hope they improve because it would be nice to just have something to latch on to. You know, the, one of the things that was brought up in this piece when talking about the Mets broadcasting team, an anonymous fan said, it's not easy being a Mets fan, but we know we have these guys to listen to every night. I would love to have that for the Tigers. And I do think within a few years, I think Shepard will stay, but I think they're gonna, we're going to see them start to ease Morris and Gibson out of there to maybe bring in some new blood. I'm sure Craig Monroe will take on a bigger role. And I would love to see them bring Curtis Granderson into the booth as well because Curtis Granderson is one of the greatest human beings who has ever lived. (laughs) He just is. Everyone loves Grandy. So that's going to do it for today's show. Longer show than usual, but hey, I have no problem with that. I I think uh, the shows lately have been okay. So way to go, guys. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. If you have any questions for the mailbag segment, which I will be doing this Friday. You can send them to this show's Gmail account, LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. And while you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a positive review of this show. It would be much, much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. I hope one of these days we get some good news. I really, man, I really want to play baseball. I don't want to go all summer and all year without talking about a baseball game. So hopefully some good news emerges within the next couple days. I'm uh, not very optimistic, but my fingers are crossed. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.